pray for us as we get started. Um, so kind of keep focusing ourselves into what God wants us to teach this this morning. Um, so let's pray together. Father, thank you for this opportunity that we get to come together on a Sunday morning to fellowship, to worship, to be in your word, to be growing with each other and to be on mission and on, on have all, all of our hearts growing for you. And God, I pray that you would prepare our hearts and you would let us search ourselves and that you would search our hearts for the things that we hold and the things that we hide and the things that we take control of, Father. That you would rip those things out and that you would replace them with you and your goodness. So God, challenge us this morning. Challenge us for what you want us to be growing in, the things that you want us to let go of, the things that you want us to reach for. God, ultimately, let us be more on fire after today for you than anything else in this world. God, we love you and we thank you and we pray. Amen. So, today we get to talk about idolatry. Everyone's favorite subject about idols. Um, but before that, um, there was a camp I used to work at called Buckhorn. Uh, it was a children's camp. We would have it every year. I would go down. It was the worst experience ever because it was hot. It was down. It was downwind from, it was in Columbia, so imagine being in Columbia in the middle of the summer, so July, August area, hot, and being downwind from a chicken coop. So it smelled awful, it was hot, it was irritating, and so that's how, that's how it was. Um, but, so being there, what was an experience itself. So, but we would go every year down to, down to so it was Batesville, I believe. It was down there where that, you know, sh- the best barbecue place is. So we'd always go there before we started. Um, but every Thursday, we would have this night of no utensils. And every time they would pick the most messiest food to eat with no forks and spoons. So I remember we had this one that we had spaghetti. They had like all the sauce, all the meatballs, everything was on the spaghetti. And, you know, all these like, you know, we had like kindergarten to fifth grade. All these kids were you know, grabbing their spaghetti with their hands and just eating like barbarians. And they were all excited. And they had like, the whole best face was just red with all this sauce. And then one of the kids thought it would be a good idea to start throwing the food. Because, you know, why not? I mean, you're three, you're, you know, you're in elementary school, why not throw food? You're at camp, no repercussions that they know of. Um, so they would take the food. One kid thought it would be good. He'd throw it and the other kid got hit by it. He's like, you know what, I'm going to throw it back. And it was just a mess. It was fantastic. I loved it. Um, and so I, I, I participated through food too, and, and luckily me, I had to clean all of it up because I, you know, I was the responsible one. Um, so I had to clean it all up, but it was all messy. It was all just messy. It was fantastic. It was fun. So we talk about how much fun that sounds. It sounds like a blast because everyone like thinks about being in a food fight. Everyone like had that one time when you're at a, at a cafeteria or you're in the, you know, at the mall and you're at the food court, just imagining like this big outburst of just a food fight happening. That would be fantastic. I would love to see that happen every time I would go to one of those things. But you always get like those weird, uh, what were those things called a while back? They had like those, uh, all those dancers come in out of nowhere. They would have like flash mob. It'd be like that, but with food and it'd be fantastic. Um, so we, so we would love that we talk about that, but when it comes to what we're about to talk today, sin, sin is messy too, but guess what we don't like talking about? Sin, because it's, it's icky. Who wants to talk about that? Um, and so 
not only is sin, but we're looking at the core issue of sin is ourselves. Ourselves, we are very selfish people, and we all worship ourselves most of the time. We worship things that we look to and have attention to and, you know, hold, and that's what we're going to deal with today is our own idols, our own selves. So, there's a, there's a quote from this guy. Uh, everyone loves uh, our buddy Augustine. He says this, if you will, it'll be on the screen. Um, you have made us for yourself, O Lord. And our heart is restless until it rests in you. So, before we even get started, you th- when I say, hey, idols in your life, all, some of us immediately think about one thing or think about something. We all have something we think about. That's not good. Because <laughs> we are giving focus away from God and putting it on our own selves and our own selfishness and our own desires. And so Augustine got it on point. Like I said, he says, you have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our heart is restless until it rests in you. We won't be, we won't feel content, we won't feel completed until we are fully in Jesus. If we keep you know, going after these things, if we keep reaching for reaching and reaching and reaching, trying to you know, use the stuff of this world to fill our hearts, that's not going to happen. We're going to be continually empty. I always talk about, uh, there was a guy, uh, the football player, I forgot his name. Uh, I think we talked about him last time I was, you know, got to preach. Um, but he, in an interview, he said, I have all this stuff. I have all these cars. I have this, I have like four houses. I have so many awesome things, but I still feel empty. And you look at us, we, you know, we don't have, we're not football players, we're not like multi-million dollar millionaires. And seeing, that's something we want, but seeing somebody who has it all, keeps saying he's empty, he doesn't feel right. Something, he still wants more. And so there's nothing that you can reach for, nothing that you can do except for Jesus will ever satisfy you. So today we get to talk about idolatry and why it's dangerous and what it looks like today. And after that, I hope... I can tie it back, idolatry, to us as families, us as a church, us as a community together. So if you have your Bibles, open up to Colossians 3. And it'll be on the screen too if you didn't bring yours. If you have a tablet, phone, whatever it is, we'll be in Colossians 3. So in Colossians 1, Paul talked about how Jesus changed our lives and transferred us from darkness to light. And he hyped about how Jesus is above everything and how he is worthy to be seen as supreme. Then in chapter 2, Paul talked about how we have been made new, how we have been forgiven, and how we should walk in that truth. So now we get to chapter 3, where we are, where we are today. Since Paul went from the theological to the practical by telling us how we should live in the light of these truths. So let's read Colossians 3, 5 through 6 together. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly to you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desires, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these things, of these, of these, the wrath of God is coming. So, our first point, idolatry is loving something or some person more than God. Idolatry is loving something or some person more than God. It is a lie that you and I believe that a thing or a person will give us fulfillment. It'll give us more hope, more comfort, more joy, and even more love than God. That's not true. That will, they will never satisfy us. So when the word idol comes to your mind, you might think about movies like Indiana Jones. 
There you go. You know, you might think about Indiana Jones and, and the idol. Or you might think of the next one, uh, st- uh, you know, Star-Lord, getting the, that little orb. Those things were coveted. They were like these things that people had to collect because they brought some type of value. I mean, in Marvel, you know, that one, this carried the Infinity Stone, which had the, the, the power of power. And people wanted that. They, they chased after it. And so people have this vision of, hey, these things we have to have. We have to have this to be fulfilled. We have to have this to be, in a, you know, to feel right in our lives today. So you might say, hey, Austin, uh, I don't have any idols in my life or I don't really deal with that. Um, I'm going to ask some questions. They're rhetorical, so not everyone will start saying, I have this. No, just, just think about them. And if, you know, we'll, we'll you know, that's, for, that's for you, Kyle, just rhetorical questions. Um, so I'll ask questions. You just thank them over. So the first one, what do you worry about the most? What do you worry about all the time? What thing or relationship, if you lost it, would lead you to seriously question whether or not you should go on living? What do you use to comfort yourself when things go bad or get difficult? Who or what do you look for in comfort when it's a bad day? What do you do to cope? What do you daydream about? When you're alone and you have the time, where does your heart start, start to wander? What makes you feel this most self-worth? What are you the proudest of? Early on in conversations, what do you want people to know about you? What prayer, if unanswered, would seriously make you think about turning away from God? What are you asking God for and what has God given you that if he didn't answer or took it away would make you seriously contemplate leaving the faith? So a sense that for some of us, it wasn't very hard to answer those questions, right? We we could kind of get off the bat as soon as the question was answered, we we could answer it. Um, Some of us may not be proud of those answers, but we could answer them. Um, So maybe some of these answers are the reasons why you don't really want to come to church sometimes. Maybe the answers are maybe because you don't want to, you know, go to small groups just you feel vulnerable about talking about them. Or maybe it's because you just, you don't want God to take away those idols in your life because you don't want to lose that comfortability. You don't want to risk having that bubble being popped. So we all struggle with idols. That's, that's the flat line. If you say no, you're lying because we all have idols. A lot of us, without even having an unknown, this is an idol for us, right? Because how many of us feel naked when we leave the house and you forget your phone? I felt awful. This, like, I almost let, left my phone in, in, in my room and I'm like, oh, I need that. I can't live without that today because it's important. And so I left my car, went back and got it because I, I didn't feel right. I felt uneasy. So we all have idols. We all have things that we need in our life to, you know, for us to feel normal, to feel nat- you know, to have that. So for students, you know, talking to, the, to younger people in colleges and high school, middle school, some of us, our idols might be your GPA for, for college, to be in those better grades, to be in those better classes, or to have that relationship with that girl or that guy you know, it's just very coveted. He's like, I need to have, be in that relationship with that guy so I can show my friends, say, hey, look who I'm dating. Look who I have. That's an idol for some of us. 
For some of us, so maybe social media is you want those likes to be up. You want all those likes. You want all those comments. You want all those shares so you can feel loved. So, or even if fa- with families, you know, parents, you have where your children are your idols, where you want everything the best for them. You want to control everything that they do. They want, you know, every piece of their life to be amazing. So you are very controlled of that. For those that are single, like, you want to have that relationship with somebody, so you constantly, like, look around and say, oh, I can potentially be with that person or that person or that person or that person or that person. So you make that an idol in your life. So there was a pastor who once said, and it'll be on the screen, idols become idols when we take a good thing and turn it into a God thing, which makes it a terrible thing. So you can take, like, those things I said, GPAs are great, but if you make it an idol, it's a bad thing. Relationships with, with your, your spouse or your, if you make that into an idol, it becomes a bad thing. If you make, you know, your children into an idol, that's a bad thing. Those are all good things, but once you, you know, click that switch and be, the idolatry comes in, that's what becomes terrible. Um, but those things, image success at work or school, getting the guy or girl, uh, those are just all surface issues. They're all surface problems. We need to talk about the root of idolatry. Um, there's a book by Tim Keller that he wrote called Counterfeit Gods. Um, if you've read it, it's really good. If you, you, know, if you have it, I really, really encourage you to read it. Um, it's really good. Like, I always like saying, like, Bible, the Bible is the best source. You, know, you always have to go to the Bible, but you know, there's always good vitamins and supplements. So this is a good source of that. Um, so, but Tim Keller says there's four roots of idolatry. So the first one is power. So the person who has a power idol, they, they want influence. They want success. They have to win. They have to succeed. They can't be tired. They, have, they can't be a loser. They have to be the winner. It's, it drives them. And so they, that idolatry, that power, that, that, that root of that idol, that power is what that controls them. Some of us have that issue where that power, you know, we need to have that winning success. We need to be the most influential. We need to be the leader of the pack. We need to be the red power ranger. So some of us, that's our issue. Another one is control. Those with a control idol, they, you know, they want to have security over every inch of their life. This last year must have sucked for you. Boy, because everything that you knew, everything that you controlled is now out the window. You need to redo your entire routine of controlling everything. So your biggest fear is being with like when everything just falls apart and you have no clue you don't have anything going on you like you are powerless when nothing's going the way that you had planned it to be like for me like I don't care for like if we go on a trip somewhere I'm like let's just do it we'll just like I think one time I was going to the beach but I ended up in the mountains because I didn't really plan it and I was like okay we'll hang out up here for the day um, but people I was with hated it because they're like I wanted to go to the beach I'm like well you shouldn't have me drive so some people, they hated it because they, they wanted the control of the situation. Um, another idol is approval. For, for those people who struggle with approval, they, they want to be included in every group. They, wanted to, they want to be, they fear rejection. They want approval from others and it will always lead to dysfunction in your relationships. When your root idol is approval, you tend to become a coward. You won't stand up for, for anything. 
even when you know it's the right thing because you don't want to be rejected by everyone. I know when I was in high school, this one I struggled with because I didn't want to share the gospel with my friends because I didn't want them to say, hey, you're not going to hang out with us anymore because you're weird. And because of that, I have regret because one of the people I could have had many opportunities with overdosed and killed himself. And I know he's an follower, and I had plenty of opportunities to share the gospel with him and I didn't because I wanted him to accept me. It's an awful feeling. The last root is comfort. If you struggle with the idolatry of comfort, you want the best quality of life. You want the best experience. You want everything to be awesome. You want the life as a good sticker on your car. You, know, you want everything that's awesome. Um, this idol can cause people to avoid responsibility and they tend to neglect others and hurt others. When comfort is your idol, you are focused on yourself and, all the, and at the expense of everyone else around you. So, some of us are in those categories. We struggle with comfort. We struggle with being approved. We struggle with the controlling. We struggle with power. Why do you think we struggle with those things? Because we're selfish. At the end of the day, we're all selfish and we all struggle with it. So why is idolatry dangerous? Let's go back to Colossians 3.6. On account of all these things, the wrath of God is coming. The song, How He Loves, I love it so much. They're the first verse. He is jealous for me. Why do you think, we, you know, the guy who wrote it, wrote that he is jealous for me? Because we do nothing but take our selfishness above God's love. It doesn't say that he's envious. No, he says he's jealous because we are his, no one else's. But we take the, the, the idea of saying, oh, that's us and not yours. That's why God is jealous because we are God's. And when we put him on the back seat, make ourselves the idol, make our things the idol, he gets jealous of that because we're taking up everything that he's wanted, uh, his will, everything that he wanted us to do and spat in his face and said, nope, I'm good. My phone is more important. Nope, I'm good because I have a football team to go to and hang out with because, you know, we struggle with being selfish because that's just in our nature. We need to fight that every day just with every sin. I think about to the, the one question I asked. What's, if you were alone right now, where would your heart tend to wander? Would it go to say, oh, I need to be in my Bible right now? Do I need to be in the God's Word and just read? Or would it go straight to, oh, I need to play some video games because I haven't beat that one level yet? Or I need to play some Fortnite because, you know, I need to get some, some dubs. No, because we, we tend to go to the things of this world because that's where our heart is. We're surrounded by it every day because we don't do our quiet times. We don't be, we're not in the Word all the time. We're not in our small groups all the time. We're only here on Sunday mornings just to hear someone say, hey, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And then you leave here, forget about it, get lunch, and then forget all about it. And then Monday morning you come around and you go right back to the, what the world says. Do you see something that's wrong with that? That should hurt ourselves. That should make us very uneasy. Because we do it every single week. We're going to do it this week too, by the way. So you're going to forget everything I said other than Power Rangers probably about, you know, throwing spaghetti at somebody. You're going to go out of this place, go to Waze because you're going to be done by 11. And you're going to go get food and you're going to come and forget. Because that's what we do. How do we fix that? 
How do we stop that? By being in the word, being constantly being in with community with others, having accountability partners to say, hey, did you read this week? How you're doing? Is that pornography you're still dealing with? Uh, you have it under control? What's going on? We don't do that. That's why idolatry is running rampant in today's society because there's no, no one cares. Because it's just another part of society. It's their culture. It's, it's just, you know, it's normal. Y'all with me? Y'all feel that? It bugs me. So God has this holy jealousy for us. So like this, imagine, imagine like this. Imagine like you're in your first relationship ever, right? Imagine like you, you met this one girl, met this one guy, and it's fantastic. And you're in this like, will they, won't they? Will, they, will he hold my hand? Will he kiss me? I don't understand what, what's going to happen. You're in that phase. And then you, you worry about, oh, are they holding somebody else? Are they doing this? And you feel that weird, oh, I don't understand. But then you get serious, and you're, you're in that relationship, and everything's fantastic. Like you're down the road. And you see someone talking to somebody, you see your, your significant other talking to somebody and you feel that weird, oh, well, what was he talking to them for, you know? What's he doing that for? What, what's, what, what's she doing that for? And you feel that. Because you feel like, oh, no, they're, they're, they're supposed to be the person I love, the person who I care for, the person who I want to be in a relationship with and they're over here, you know, going to somebody else. That's the same thing what we're doing to Jesus. That's the same thing we're doing to God where in that relationship with God, but yet we're taking the backseat and says, hey, I'm going to talk to you over here real quick. How you doing? And just letting God just watch us do it. So God has that holy jealousy against us because we're being a bunch of selfish people and we're being very frustrated to him. So this is how God feels about us when we turn our attention and worship to other things. God created you. In fact, we were created in his image. We belong to him and he belongs to us. But our love and affection have, has been robbed from God and given to other things of this world. So in God's jealousy for us, he punishes the, th- punishes the things that we have stolen our affections from him. His wrath is coming on, on idolatry. It is also dangerous because God did not design us to, to serve idols, but to worship him only. Behind every idol is a lie. And idols are trying to deceive us. They try to tell you that they are better at being God than God is. But remember, uh, here's, here's another idol. Some, here's another uh, quote. You have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our heart is restless until it rests in you. That quote that, that good old Gusty said, that's, that's pretty still, you know, in the back of my mind. Idols are liars that are trying to turn, our, turn us away from God. Even think about whenever Moses went up onto the hill and got the Ten Commandments, he came down to what? He came down to his, his buddies making a golden calf to worship. Because they were like, oh, we don't know what to do anymore because we were worshiping this thing because we had nothing else to worship. What? So these people were like, they had God, they knew who God was, but they decided, hey, we have gold, we have this cow, let's put it together, we have a golden cow, let's worship that. That seems silly, but we do the same thing with everything else in this world. We're like, well, we have a TV. Let's worship the TV because, you know, we have sports.
Hebrews 12, one through two says, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. So we all sin. We all do it. If, you, if I were to ask, it's a silly question, but if I were to ask who all sins in this room, well, you should all raise your hands. If you don't, you know, you called yourself out. Um, so we all sin. Because of that, our hearts tend to look forward seeking our idols instead of seeking God first in everything. So if we were in every situation and when things happen, when, th- when hard things come, when, there's, when you're in the deepest of valleys, when you're in the highest of mountains, who do you look for? Where do you get your comfort from? Where do you reach for your, you know, where does your heart tend to wander? Does it go towards God? Or does it go to the things of this world? So we need to examine ourselves. And today, some of you are like head deep, like you're in the deep end, you just jumped in, you only know how to like doggy paddle and you're really bad at it and you're, you know, you're, you're sinking in a little bit. Because, you know, we're drowning in idols. We're drowning in everything around us. We just need to get out of that deep end and do something where we can manage or where we can handle ourselves. Just imagine, in every situation, if you were to turn to God, how would those situations end? Would they end with disaster or would they end with something amazing happening? So that's the challenge today. As the band comes up and as, as they get to lead us, where is your heart going to wander when you're alone where are your idols are they you know personal are they your family are they your relationships are they you know think about it if I were to say what's your idol what is it and you'd say it are you going to get rid of it or are you going to say oh no I'm going to keep this because it's you know it makes you comfortable and it, it makes me feel like I'm normal it makes me feel like everything's fine we need to get rid of it we need to throw it away. We need to say, this is stupid. I'm done with this. And then you go back to Jesus because Jesus is where it's all at. So I'd be glad to talk to you about what's the next steps of dropping those idols. What's the next step of giving everything back to Jesus? Because Jesus doesn't want us to give 5% to him, 10%, 20%, 99%. He wants all 100% of our lives for him. So where are you at? You're at the 50% scale? You're at the 75% scale? Are you 100% on board? Where are you in that? So today you might need to drop some things and say, hey God, I, I'm sorry, I've missed the mark. I've struggled with, you know, my phone. I mean, I need it. I mean, my social media. But today I'm done with it. I don't care about those likes anymore. I don't care about, you know, having all these shares and comments. Maybe it's, you know, having, you know, being parents, like your children, Maybe it's just saying, hey, God, you got everything in control anyway, so I don't need to be the micromanager. God, you have it. I know you have it, so I'm going to trust in you that you're going to be in control every step of the way. If you're in relationships with somebody, knowing that, hey, first, God should be the center of it, and then you grow as a relationship to God and not to each other. So that's a way to go, a freebie of how you don't make your relationships into idols, that you would go straight to God instead. So where are you in that? Again, I'd love to talk to you. I'd love to, you know, pray over you. Whatever I can do to, you know, be there for you. So let me pray.
Father, we're we're all selfish people. We all struggle with wanting to be our own selves, wanting to have our own control of everything, wanting to be comfortable, wanting to have power, wanting to have to be liked by everyone, wanting to be you we think it we you you name it, Father. God, I pray as we get to come to this place, as we get to talk to you, Father, that you would let us repent our own idols, that you would let us repent from our own sin and let us get this mess out of our life and go straight to you. Let us, when, our, when we're alone, that we would tend to wander to you and not pornography and not thinking about what other people think about of me or wanting to go play video games or wanting to go watch TV. Let us tend to wander more towards you and your word and having that one-on-one conversation with you, Father, because we're missing it. Ultimately, God, as we said, you are good and you are in control of everything. No matter what happens, you are good. So we love you and we thank you. In your name we pray.